0: Welcome back to Mins Levin's From the Edge. This is Jeremy Glazer, the co-chair of the Mins Levin Venture Capital and Emerging Company Practice. Mins Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at minsedge.com. Well today we are really fortunate to have with us Blaise Barillet. Blaise is the general partner and a founder of Analytics Ventures which is a venture formation fund specializing in artificial intelligence. Blaze also has an incredible background working with a lot of really fascinating companies, including Curematch and Curemetrics. He also is the founder of Website Story and he took that company public as well during the dot-com era, which has a lot of great stories there as well. So on today's podcast, we're going to discuss Blaze's extensive experience And starting and funding a number of technology companies and the lessons learned along the way. Well thank you, Blaze, for joining us.
1: Well thank you for having me here, uh, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful.
0: Well I'd like to start by asking why did you choose this life of being involved in technology?
1: I think I started pretty early when I was about maybe 10 years old. Uh, I, I remember my my dad bringing for Christmas a electric game and that really triggered my passion for technology since then I've never stopped uh, and uh, going from electronic to software to uh, of course being involved with companies learning about marketing about sales about finance uh, and uh, it's it's been a very rich life of learning uh, and I, I wish I I could see a lot of you know, uh, uh, people with experience back then, we didn't have the internet, uh, so we had to read a lot of books. uh, And today, uh, what you're doing, Jeremy, I think is fantastic to help young
0: entrepreneurs. Wonderful. Well, good. Well, thank you for being here to help them. So, if you don't mind, what was the first company that you started and raised money for?
1: Uh, You you will be surprised. I haven't raised too much money, actually. Uh, I think that's probably a secret uh, that explains why most of these companies worked uh, the first company i started i was 20 years old that was a electronic company and we were designing uh, some of uh, the electronic boards at the time with something that was new called microprocessor of oh. course a uh, long time's past something it. new i love that <laughs> absolutely uh, never raise money for this company i mean i think if you have a good idea and and you're doing something that customers want to buy and see the value Uh, they're willing to write a check these are probably the best uh, ways to grow companies at definitely at that time
0: so i actually like that's an important point i talk about this a lot with entrepreneurs they they come to me and say jeremy what's the best way to raise money and i somewhat jokingly say revenue
1: (laughs) absolutely revenue i mean sales cure all that's what i say Uh, i i think that uh, entrepreneurs now they have a tendency to just to be focusing on raising money instead of making money. Uh, I, I strongly believe that uh, every idea needs to have value. There are so many ideas around. The, the ones who show real value will be successful and it's a lot easier to find a customer than an investor.
0: So you had to raise money for some companies, right? What was, what was the company you raised money for and why did you realize that you had to go out and raise outside capital? Sure. I would say uh, uh,
1: technology companies can survive without raising money. It could grow without raising money. I mean, of course, you need to have a little money to get started. And that's, that's why friends and families are from for. And uh, the, the companies that need to raise money are companies that need more research, more development, like biotech companies are definitely an example of that. Uh, the, last, the two companies you mentioned, CureMatch and CureMetrics, definitely uh, needed to raise money. Mm-hmm. uh to make their you know MVP, their minimum viable product uh, and uh, science cost money
0: nowadays. So so let's talk about those two companies and maybe their different stories. How did they raise their first round of capital? Who, who did they raise it from and what was the structure? Uh,
1: well, uh, it's an interesting question uh, because I'm the managing partner and founder of Analytics Venture. The whole idea is it's so hard uh, for entrepreneurs to start companies, bring funds, and at the same time, you know, uh, start uh, getting investors uh, interest. That's why uh, Analytics Venture specializes. in. We find people who have fantastic ideas uh, that we see there is value there. And we take care of actually connecting uh, investors in the mix, uh, bringing people on board, literally we're co-founders, uh, and we make it a lot easier for people who have great ideas just to uh, start their company and grow them fast.
0: So what, what is it in Analytics Ventures when you see a company that you believe you want to help raise money and you want to bring into your, your um, uh, universe? What is it that you're looking for? What is it that you see that say, aha, that's, this is what we need?
1: Sure. Actually, we we like to start even before the company is founded and started. Uh, You know, uh, we we find, for example, that universities are a fantastic ground uh, for us to find these uh, smart people who who just dream of researching. And sometimes they don't even think of starting companies. You know, they come up with the technology and they they, they try to raise a grant and, and, and build their project. And then when we see these ideas, we see, we can see right away that there is definitely value there for potential businesses, artificial intelligence, definitely people uh, can see a lot of uh, interesting disruptive uh, ways to change the way technology is. And so what we do, we just meet with these people and sometimes we have to convince them and say, hey, we got a company here. They're like, really? Do you think so? Like, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how to start a company. Well, we know all of that. This is where we help a lot at analytics venture building the company from scratch with these people so they can focus on what they're very good at which is the technology i
0: think that would be a great great interest to our listeners if you could help us understand when you say you're building a company so so i walk in i'm i'm some you know scientist coming out of let's say, say ucsd right with an idea for artificial intelligence and i sit down with you and i explain the idea how do you help me turn that idea into a business
1: so the first thing uh we we do is assess uh the the technology you know to make sure that we really have something make sure uh we can uh protect the technology as well we need to file provisional patents uh potentially and uh but the the very next step is to really assess uh if there is value there you know if are we disrupting something Uh, I mean, I'll I'll give you an example. CureMatch is a new way to treat cancer more effectively than chemotherapy. Uh, We thought right away that was the future, and it's based on artificial intelligence, uh, which is something else we really liked. Uh, So we could assess both. The technology there existed. The the, the co-founders of CureMatch are well-known scientists uh, in the oncology world, and uh, we could tell right away that there, there is definitely a business there. So that, that's the first step.
0: And when you fund those companies, so you've, so you've met the founders, you've assessed the business idea, say, so yeah, we think there's a business here, so we think there's a value, and I like also what you said that it's something sort of disruptive, right? So it's kind of changing the way things are being done in an existing industry. So, so the next step is you raise money with that existing management team. Do you bring other people around them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, when I'm talking about disruptive, I think we've categorized uh, companies in three buckets. Uh, we, we, we have companies that have products that are like, I, I would say, uh, like a, a supplement, you know, a food supplement or something, vitamin. Sure. So they're cool to have, but they're not necessarily something that resolves a pain or an issue. And the second type of companies you have are, I would call that the, the aspirin type. Uh, everybody's got a headache sometime but not all the time so these companies are more interesting to us but just probably not disruptive enough okay and then you have the companies we call chemotherapy Uh, you need this or you're gonna die and they they resolve a real problem Uh, they fix something that is needed these are the companies we we're really trying to go after you know to build together uh, that kind of disruptive company once we find that we of course we already have uh, our fund and our fund will invest the first money in the company. And then we have limited partners in our fund who might uh, show a speci- specific interest to invest directly in that company. And so we already have all that, these connections existing. So it's pretty easy for us to raise starting money there. Uh, we will grow these companies, uh, uh and we'll, we like to actually, uh, raise at some point more money to grow the the business faster. And so we accompany we these companies to a series A, and after that, uh, it, it's it's a different game for us because we're more focused, of course, on, on starting new companies okay. than continuing until in, to invest until the company goes for a series B or eventually goes public or whatever.
0: So in that, in that first funding, so the, your fund is providing some funding and your limited partners are also coming in to supplement, it sounds like. What is the typical structure? Is that is that a convertible note? Is it a is it a, a, a simple preferred stock? What's the structure? Yeah,
1: the structure is is a convertible note. I, I think everybody's familiar with that. Uh, it's it's easier to to put in place. Legal costs are absolutely nothing, uh, and which we don't like, by the way,
0: please. <laughs> I can't understand
1: that. Uh, we don't like that either. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's we're we trying to make things simple. Uh, uh, investor li- investors like simple things too. Uh, I think the very important thing to understand is there are really two types of investors. There are the angel investors versus institutional investors. And uh, while I've been raising money with uh, both types of investors, it's a total different target angel investors they make decisions very fast Uh, somebody told me if an angel investor you're talking to ask two zillion questions and take three weeks to try to make a decision you're not going to get his money Uh, angel investors are people who make a decision quick within a day they're like I like the idea I like the company I'm in that's the kind of uh, thing you want Uh, and then institutional investors is totally different they come later they want to see really that there is some business there that there is sales there is value there is uh, a team uh, and, and they will uh, have a strong due diligence to assess uh, if their money is at risk or not. So we're trying to make things very simple to get angel investors hooked up very quickly.
0: Excellent. So I kind of joked a little bit about how you know we as lawyers don't like when it's uh, inexpensive to do the deal. But in, in reality, at this very early stage it's really important and we know that to be able to get the money in you know as efficiently as possible you know and they like say convertible notes are kind of very standardized you can do them quite quite uh, inexpensively and in fact um, here at mins 11 we've actually automated the whole process so if a company wants to bring in um, uh, early stage capital on a convertible note we literally have a little form we fill out and it can generate the purchase agreement the note all that so it is it is something that's very efficient and i think you're right uh, that's the right way to bring in that that first round of money.
1: Well, I'm I'm a big fan of, of big law firms, uh, especially when they get the chance to talk to somebody like Jeremy. Uh, I think what's important uh, is uh, not necessarily to save money for everything, because at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. And uh, I've seen many startups making huge mistakes uh, by. Uh, incorporating in a wrong way uh, giving shares where they should not taking money you know where they should not have accepted so I, I like to spend money personally on getting expert advice but for things as uh, that are more like uh, could be handled by a legal clerk or you can download a form online it, I would not spend money to uh, for a big law firm to give me a convertible note
0: right Plus, again, they can do it very efficiently, which I think a lot of us have tried to do. So, so the, the money comes in as a convertible note. That comes from both analytic ventures and some of your limited partners. Then you bring these companies to, or institutional investors, as the next step. What, what is the process to identify the right institutional investors that you have found works, both in your capacity as a partner in analytic ventures, but also in the companies that you've started and worked with?
1: So it's, uh, it's a very interesting question because uh, most entrepreneurs that are looking for institutional investors, uh, they kind of get on Google and pull out 500 uh, VC firms and send emails to everyone. It just doesn't work that way. Getting an institutional investor is like getting a customer. You really have to target the right VC. You, n- you need to make sure that they really like that kind of deals that you're going to be offering to them or you're going to be wasting your time and resources. Uh, so we, we already have connections at analytics venture with uh, some of these venture firms that we, they really are into our space, they know what we're doing. Uh, uh, we've been talking to them several times uh, over the past three months, talking, bringing our different deals there. And I think entrepreneurs who are looking for institutional money, they have to be really attacking the VC world like it's a customer. Identify the target, make sure that that VC will be interested. They need to make sure also that they they, they don't have, they, they haven't signed a deal with a competitor or something. Phishing is something that happens in this world. Uh, they got to be uh, opening a, a data vault where they bring all of their information current and make it available to investors so they can look at it. What's very strange lately, we've seen a lot of these institutional deals where uh, actually before you get a term sheet signed, uh, they, they actually do the due diligence first this has changed over the years Yes. Uh, so make sure you have the proper data make sure you show that you really have a business uh, they're looking for revenue they're looking for growth they're looking for disruption as well so these three things should be part of the deal you're going to be showing to them and uh, marketing material you need to have a deck that's clear uh, you know I, I, I like to have uh, people looking at decks that don't know nothing about that industry I think they're the best. If you can't sell, uh, you know, a deck to somebody who doesn't understand that industry, it's going to be really hard to sell it to somebody who does.
0: So, so much great, helpful information in, in that. Thank you, Blaze. Uh, I want to unpack that a little bit. So, you said that when you're going out to identify the ins- institutional investor, you need to treat it like you're going to get a customer. And you're right. That unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs don't don't take that perspective. If you were trying to find customers, you would never go out there and just go ahead and send a whole bunch of emails out there saying, gee, would you like to buy my product? You'd identify the person who it actually fits, who it actually benefits, you'd put together a whole plan, you'd have you know, you'd sit down, you'd have a good presentation, you know, package, all that. I think that's a great mind flip for entrepreneurs to think about this, that every on every VC you approach, it's like a customer.
1: Absolutely. they they're like customers and they don't want to waste their time. They don't want to waste your time. Uh, and i think it's very important to send maybe one email to them that's very short goes to the point that's very personalized so you're showing that actually you 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 did your own work on your own and and i would think the the whole idea is not to uh, give in one email everything about your company it's just to get an appointment just to get their interest Uh, and then once you get their interest once you get the chance to meet with them uh, I would say the, the job there is to try to get a second appointment uh, and to make sure that you answer their questions, uh, all of them. They, they, they don't want to have somebody who is a talking machine in front of them. They don't need a chat box. They want somebody to really answer quickly. So make sure you do answer and listen, just like with a customer. I think uh, 80% of a sale is uh, about 80% of listening and it's, it's true for investors.
0: So, if somebody wants to reach out to Analytics Ventures and reach out to you and your partners there, the best approach is what?
1: Well, uh, they're very welcome to send me an email, you know, blaze, B L A I S E at analyticsventures.com. Uh, and they can also, you know, message us on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, we're, we're all ears and we'll look at everything.
0: And what do you like, what do you like to receive on that initial introductory email?
1: I, I like to. Uh, it's an interesting question. I like somebody who, who, who is a little different than the 300 emails I'm getting every day. Uh, I like people to explain to me why we should be interested with what they're doing. And uh, a short email, we'll, we'll check it out for sure.
0: So do you, do you want to see like, an, like a one-page exact summary? Do you want to see the pitch deck at that point or just a quick introductory email?
1: Uh, pitch decks fine, uh, executive summary is fine, and, and sometimes just a little paragraph could get us excited enough to so we, we get back to you, uh, and uh, but we 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 are really looking at every emails we're getting.
0: Wonderful. So I would like to wrap up with kind of a very uh, typical question that is, if you could look back on your career and if there's something that you would wish you had known when you started out in the entrepreneurial world, what would you tell yourself? back then that you know now
1: I think you have to go through the pain of making mistakes and uh, if you just yeah, you know if you if I had a time machine I don't think with what I know I don't think I would be more successful today I think you have to go through the pain of making these mistakes one after another and learn but the one thing you have to is learn quickly make decisions uh, and uh, I think that's how you become successful, be making mistakes for sure.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank Well, thank you, Blaze. Really appreciate you taking the time. Really, really valuable information for entrepreneurs out there looking to start companies and grow companies. We really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Well, thank you uh, very much, Jeremy. And uh, uh, I can't wait to get emails from Wonderful. your listeners.
0: Wonderful. <laughs> this is Jeremy Glazer of Mint's Eleven, and thank you for listening to this edition of From the Edge.